Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit, from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind-the-scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of, what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a podcaster, expert question asker, pretty good speaker, facilitator, and avid learner. Her podcast, Failing Forward, aims to inspire listeners to see failure as an opportunity by sharing stories from entrepreneurs, community leaders, and experts in Cincinnati and beyond. The podcast provides motivational stories to encourage people to unblock their fears, move into action, and become their authentic selves. Please welcome Sarah Brown. Hello. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we had like a mini podcast before we even hit record. It was so refreshing just to jump into it. We had the show before the show. Yeah, the show, the pre-show. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the pre-show. Well, I know what it feels like to be on the other side of the table, so to speak. So when you host your own podcast, right, and then someone invites you to come on to theirs. I don't know about you, but for me, it's like the biggest relief. You're like, I can just sit back. I don't have to prep. I totally agree. I don't have to navigate the conversation. I don't have to. I don't, I don't, I'm not, it's like relinquishing control. I'm like, this is so easy. So easy. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. I hope I can offer you a little bit of relief today on this. Reprieve. Yeah. Yeah. Reprieve. Exactly. Um, So like we were chatting before, Sarah, I, you know, saw a friend of mine on your podcast, which is what kind of drew me in and I started listening and I, I really love the concept, which is essentially reframing failure, right? Like how we define failure and then consequently decide what to do after said failure, right? That's kind of like the essence, would you say? Yeah, for for sure. Right. How it's about, it's, it's about awareness and at times action, right? It's an, and, Mm -hmm. and I guess sometimes it can be an, or, but the awareness piece is, it's critical. And then what do I learn? What have I learned from Yeah. It? Yeah. Where'd you get the idea? The idea of the podcast, let me start with the yeah. name. The name came because I used to do adjunct work out at Camp Joy, which for non-Cincinnati people, it's experiential learning. So it's ropes, courses, leadership development. How and do I one know of the that? Camp that they, Joy. Yeah. It's a kid's camp, but they do a lot of corporate work Okay. Too. Maybe I've just heard it through corporate stuff. It's honestly, it's like, it's heavenly. Yeah. And, and it's, I learned that phrase fail forward. And I don't know, it just sort of stuck with me. And then I I had a business that I had invested in a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, and it failed. Yeah. And I was, and it was a lot, like, it was a lot of money, Chrissy, yeah, okay. like a, yeah. a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> and uh, it's a big blow. Back, yeah. Right. Yeah big it was a big blow and it was pretty public like people knew me as oh sarah brown that owns blown blow dry studio you know although people knew me a little bit before that anyway but just really connected to my ego right and when that failed uh i had a great coach at the time and she said you should do something positive around this to kind of like work through it right just to really work through it to grieve it to learn and uh, I was at breakfast with a buddy of mine who uh, is an exec at Scripps. And I was saying to her, I think I want to do a podcast again. And I think I want to do it around this whole concept of talking to successful people and what they learned from failure, because I know I'm not the only one, but also it feels like every time I look at Instagram, everybody's oh, perfect. God, right. And right. Oh yeah. Like everyone's perfect. And I feel like shit 
I feel like shit right now. So I wanted to provide hope. I wanted to share people's incredible stories of resiliency. And I will say that, you know, from a small age, my sister used to always call me the little engine that could. I was never that kid that like was the best performer sure. in soccer or school or anything like that. But I tried mm -hmm. hard. Right? I, I feel I, that. Like, yeah. I, I stand by that. Yeah. <laughs> do you stand yeah. by that? Yeah. And maybe it's middle, middle child situation, <laughs> but I, I always admired people who had grit mm -hmm. and whose life wasn't perfect, yeah. but you know, I, I love when Brene Brown brought out the Teddy Roosevelt, you know, the man that steps into the arena, like that was inspiring to me. That's what life to me is about yeah. is stepping into the arena. And I wanted to be inspired by, by people who did yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, I'm so inspired by that. It makes me think about, you know, you, I can imagine, right. That during that time when you were failing, so to speak, with your your first business, that it probably felt pretty isolating, right? Like, it did. It felt. Oh, I forgot to tell you this too. I also quit drinking then. Mm. So alcohol upticks, right? So, and I told you on our pre-show, yeah, the, the pre-show that you know the pre-show <laughs> that I I was starting to rely on alcohol too much. I was too dependent on. I I was not a daily drinker, and I I want people to hear that that alcohol dependency can look different for different people. And it was just not working for me anymore. My hangovers were terrible. I would arrange my week around when I could drink and when I mm -hmm. couldn't drink. So I was spending so much mental energy around managing that. And life is bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah. You So you quit life drinking right around the time you started the podcast. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Literally right when I started it. I say that it was the podcast was my gift of sobriety. Yeah, yeah. They say a lot of people when they get sober, they get these gifts that come about because I, I, I got connected with my true self. Yeah. When I pulled alcohol out, I could really get connected with self. Wow. Alcohol was like a, a kind of a, wall Oh yeah. You can't be present. You can't be present in the, you really truly cannot when, when you're drinking. No, no. So it, it, um, yeah. So that was why that was how it came about. And I do think that all those people's stories that they shared helped me in my healing at different times. A hundred percent it did. Because so, do you find that with your podcast? I, I was just thinking as you were talking. So did, did I see you started the podcast in 2018? Is that right? 2017. 2017. Okay. So I, mm -hmm started the podcast in 2018. My first episode came out three weeks before my younger brother passed away in a motorcycle accident. And the podcast mm -hmm. from, I like threw myself into, you know, the start of the podcast yeah. and I met so many incredible people and it was truly like the start of what now I've come to learn is a very, very long journey of like self-awareness and like working through your gunk and your shit and like grief and like yeah. actually feeling feelings. And the podcast really gave me this outlet to like every single week, sometimes multiple times a week, either like connect with someone on, on a level like that or just for my, for me to get it out. Like it was really just like this creative, it was like my art really. It just allowed me to like process emotion much easier. Okay. I love that you said it's your art Yeah, because I've never thought of myself as an artist, but I think that I can be creative and I think that Oh yeah, this we is, all are. Oh, gosh, I love it. You just made that connection. Yeah. So what happened to your brother? So he passed away in a motorcycle accident at 26. Um, it was like obviously completely unexpected and he... Is he your only brother? Nope. I have another brother. I'm the oldest of four. So we are all okay. just two years apart. Really, really, really like close, close family, close siblings. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, one of, it, it's hard now because it used to be pretty easy, I guess, to be like the hardest thing in my life. Right. But now as like time goes on continually, like other hard things happen too, where it's like, do I need to rank them? Can, I, can it just be that like, <laughs> shit has happened? I know. Like it's, 
I it's know, bad. I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I mean, for sure, like the most transformative um, experience of my life so far. Yeah. 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 I get that. Yeah. I, 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 I get that. And that's where I think the, everybody I met, everybody that I interviewed, they either helped me or helped somebody that was listening. Yeah. And that was all I wanted for it. I didn't, I didn't really have, my ego wasn't tied to yeah. it. I just thought, okay, I'm going to start to do yeah. this. And if people listen, great. And if they don't, that's okay right, too. Right. That's that's kind of that's okay. kind of how I feel. It was for me so much of like I said, this creative expression. And I'm like, if I get to connect and like share yeah. pieces of myself with people, like that is the point. And that's what I want to do. And I've always just been like, I don't it's been so much of a long game for me. Like I'm in it to like see what happens. Like there's not I don't know about you, people will be like, Well, what's the goal? What do you want to do with it? I'm like, dude, I'm having the best time of my life. Yeah. So I'd be so curious. I'm sure you have, I have had so many little miracles from different people that I've interviewed. Oh my God. I mean, right. Gifts upon you gifts, had blessings upon blessings. Yes. I've met them. Yes. I mean, you want to hear the craziest? Yes, please tell me. Is that my, I, so I'm in the middle. I've never, sh I haven't shared this on my podcast. Oh, yeah, with anybody. Good. So I'm, exclusive. I'm, I'm realizing that my husband is, is my husband then has like left our marriage. Okay. And I'm a wreck. Like, I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what day it is. I don't know. I've who, also blah, gone blah, through blah, blah, blah. a divorce in the last couple of years. So I gotcha. God, you know <laughs> so I get, so somebody says you need to talk to this, this guy. He's amazing. Good. He's in a physician and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I don't know anything about him. I just kind of bring him on my yeah. show. And, um, I start talking, I start interviewing him and he starts talking about how he's been divorced twice and how divorce has been the biggest blessing in his life. And I'm literally like, what oh, is happening? Wow. Is, is the universe like, like telling me something? So I, we finish the interview. I get off, I message him and I'm like, nobody even knows this, but I think I'm going to be getting a divorce. I'm devastated. Oh. Da, 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 da. He's so kind. He's helpful. I think I know who you're talking about. He's a friend of mine. No way. I think so. He's been on the podcast. I think so. so. I mean, can we say his name? Is it so loud? Yeah. Andre? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So get this. This is even crazier. <laughs> so, so sweet, all this jazz. I buy a house. I, I, we sell our house. I buy my house. And I'm looking at who my neighbors are. And, you know, you go to the, the whatever. Sure. He's my... He's my oh neighbor. my gosh. Sanjay would be the best neighbor to have <laughs> in the world. And I just knew that the because I was nervous about moving um, out. It's like a new I mean, it's a new neighborhood. Everything after really divorce. Was I was in Mount Lookout. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I just felt like the universe was saying, I you're got gonna you. be okay. You're gonna Here's your people. guardian angel. Your neighbors are gonna be great. Yep. You're gonna be okay. Is that insane? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's amazing. It's beautiful. And I think that's like what happens when like for for both of us, the intents of our podcast, right? This is these are this is not our job. This is not our day jobs, right? This is one of our many no, jobs that no. we have, and we'll kind of get to that for you too. But you know, we're not doing this to like survive off of. And so I think because of that, we're it's we're able to just cultivate these like real authentic connections, right? We're not going out to get the person who's on a book tour that is going to, you know, that's going to give us an audience. You know what I mean? Like we're just right. connecting with people to share their stories and in turn share ours. And I just think like magic yes. follows when that happens. I agree. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Oh my gosh. Guardian Angel Sanjay. I'm going to text him when we get off this recording and tell him that we, mm -hmm. that we were chatting about him. This case is ear, so his amazing. nose starts to itch. What is it? Your ears burn, your nose itches when someone, what is it? Do you know? Um, the expression? Ear, ears, are ears are burning. That's right. Well, I'll assume that. Um, okay. So as a podcast host, you know the fine art of stalking the guest before the interview. <laughs> so I, I, I have like, stalking yeah, of course, like I have then kind of a, an added layer to that because I've worked in talent acquisition, like I told you, for the last decade plus. So I love a good LinkedIn stalking. Yeah, you I, do. Yeah, you yep, do, Yep, yep, yep. So yeah. it appears that you have a couple of jobs, or at least you've got your hands in a couple different pots, so to speak. 
So yes, at healthcare. So. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about what you do now. And as you're talking about what you do and kind of how you got to where you are today, how did your yeah. failures play into getting you where you are? Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think what would be interesting for people to to hear. I don't I don't know if people are really going to care what sort of what I do at work. <laughs> I do um, selfishly. <laughs> you just said TA's coming do? under okay. your uh, leadership. So uh, I started out in HR. Oh, there. did you? And yep. And I, I helped launch performance management, mm. learning management system, leadership development. And then I was like, I want to get really get into the business. Mm. And you know what I did? I networked the heck out, out of it in your own, in your own and company. I met with a bunch of leaders there. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And I met with a bunch of leaders and, um, they created a, a whole department for me called sales enablement. Oh, wow. And sales enablement is a modern day sales ops, but also training and development process improvement. We use it as incubation of new ideas um, like we're standing up new businesses through the sales enablement umbrella. Wow. So during COVID, we healthcare cell is recruits nurses, mm -hmm. right? And business was booming. Hospitals also needed allied professionals, and we didn't have that business set up. So I helped stand it up and then hand it over to one of the lines of business, and and then they they run it yeah. right. So so my team, who they consist of data and analytics people, like polar opposite of mm -hmm. me, um, training and development mm -hmm. people. And I'd say those are the two yeah. sides, really. And then program managers, yeah. right? So It's so funny, Sarah, that you're talking. So I do yeah. a very similar job within talent acquisition. So kind of running, we call it the talent optimization okay. office, which is all around process, analytics, technology, ways of working and how we support our talent acquisition teams globally. So with the same way, I'll develop products Damn. or build the talent referral program, right? And then I hand it off or like I'm, you know, I have yes. creating talent dashboards or diversity hiring oh, toolkits. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because today, I mean, you you obviously love people or you wouldn't be doing this yeah. podcast and me too. But the name of the game is, is yep. talent, yep. right? And how are we creating an environment in which people feel empowered, they feel stretched mm -hmm. and they can learn. Yeah. Um, and they're also supporting our purpose, which we focus purpose a lot at Health Carousel. And here's why. We could be another sales organization. We could be, but people need something to believe in. And especially during COVID, this showed up. Healthcare professionals today are, we are, we are lacking in healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. In fact, somebody on my team yesterday had to take her son to the emergency room. She lives in Iowa. There's no children's hospital in, in Iowa where she lives. She goes to the emergency room with her, with her six, seven month, no, maybe he's a year, year old baby. You, you want to know who took care of her? Travel nurses, because they didn't have enough staff there. And if those travel nurses were there, Carissa would not have been able to get the care for her, the IV and wow. everything for her baby. Like, we just take it for yeah. granted. So, yeah. so the purpose piece is really important yeah. for us. Yeah. And how long have you been there? Yeah. You want to know something yeah. crazy? Today is my five-year anniversary oh, there. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Thanks. But I also think this was also one of the little like, you know, when I had that failure, mm. right? I was doing consulting on the side. So I had always done training and development consulting. I made more money the year that we had the clothes blown working part-time than I did years previously. So- then I closed blown and um, I was looking at a job at Scripps and then Health Carousel called and I, and they were like, will you come interview here? And I was like, sure. And took the Health Carousel job. Like everything worked oh. out 
perfectly. But it did not feel that way probably as the failure was happening. No, it felt like shit. For Blown, was, was it like, near Kenwood and was yeah. the logo green? I've been, I was there. I went there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful inside. Yeah, it was beautiful. It? Do you remember how beautiful yeah. it was? You were oh probably God. just a little ahead of your time. I think we were too, but I think we still are because people in Cincinnati don't get regular blowouts. No, you're right. They just don't. Yeah. Get. It's, it's only, it's seasonal and it's events. for events. Events. Columbus does. Columbus has like five blowout bars Interesting. There. I wonder why. Maybe because of the design presence there. Know. People are going into work. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But I do think that when we go back to failure, mm-hmm. I think that um failing forward is all about accepting a season of change and knowing that a new season's going to come and that season of blown was over yeah yeah it was blowing yeah. over no pun <laughs> yeah. intended but you know like it was gone and i i had to yeah it was hard accepting that right yeah that's interesting so i'm um i wanted to talk and it took me four and a half years to pay off that debt. I just paid off the final debt last month. Wow. Wrote my last $10,000 check. Holy shit. Okay. So yeah. We're, yes. That gives me anxiety yeah, just we're thinking talking. about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you figure it out, you know, and you pay it off. It's, and, and the universe provides, right. you know? Right. Like I make, I make a really good living. Yep. And that's something, yeah, that's something to be grateful for. But still, it's like you said, it's more, there's the money thing is almost the least important, right? Like, okay, we'll get money. We can make more money. It's like when you're trying the ego tied into it and people knew, like, how did you deal? I was ashamed. Yeah. That's, Mm -hmm. oh, I worked on it. Like, I, well, then I was seeing a coach, Mm. but, um, I mean, I'm, I see a coach and a therapist. Yep. Sometimes at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm big into that. Yeah, like, me too. I need to do my work. Right. So was it for you, was it, okay, hey, I'm feeling like you could recognize I'm ashamed and I need to like understand like where these feelings of shame are coming from. Like where did I learn to like be ashamed of essentially this business feeling? Was that kind of the thought process? Yeah. And, and also keep in mind that for 40 four years, anytime I would have a feeling, a strong feeling, I would drink it away. Mm. And so I had to learn how to feel the feeling. Oh yeah. I'm doing that. I'm trying to do that. Without the crutch of alcohol. I have a lot of distract. I don't you. I mean, I guess sometimes I would definitely use alcohol. Yeah. I like to have a lot of distracting tools in my distracting mm. toolkit so I can draw upon yeah. them, you know, whenever I, <laughs> whenever it's, whenever I feel a feeling right. coming on. <laughs> Whenever you're white knuckling it. Yeah. But the, I would say, uh, tell me your question again, but I, I think I partially answered yeah, it. Yeah, you I, did. It was I, just the thought. used alcohol as a way to uh, drink it away or to not feel it. And, you know, that just wasn't working mm-hmm. for me anymore. Because mm-hmm. the feelings would bubble up when I would be drinking. Of course. Yeah. They weren't growing no, away. No, no, no. They're not going away. The probably you want to know the hard the hardest feeling I'm working on this right now. I'd love to know, and I don't know if you've read um, "Fierce Self Compassion." But the hardest feeling I'm working right now is anger. Mm. And I grew up in a family. My role in the family was never to be angry. It was always to be the peacemaker because there was anger or discord going on, and so I was the one who would help calm yeah. that. And this fierce self-compassion talks about how important anger is because we, I, as a, as Sarah need anger that helps me stand up for myself, protect myself, shows you where a boundary is, get what I need, shows you where a boundary is. Yeah. But Chrissy, I never knew. No, of course we don't. No, of course we don't know. I'm 48. I'm not 49 (laughs) yet. I keep saying that I'm 49. I'm not 49 yet. Anyway, I, nobody told me that nope. because little girls don't get angry. Mm-mm. I would say like they smile. Yeah, women in general, it's like we shouldn't be angry. That's not the 
of emotion. Yeah. It's okay for men to be angry. We would expect that. Less okay for women. It's totally okay. It's totally okay for men to be angry mm-hmm. to a point, yeah, right? right? Um, but yeah. So I'm I'm making anger. I'm giving angry Sarah a place yeah. on the stage or in the boardroom with me. Does that make yes. sense? Now, I'm a, I don't want her to stay all the time. But I'm going to let her join yeah. the discussion every so often. Right. Because, I mean, anytime you're pushing away, like we talked about, anytime you're pushing down, distracting from emotion, anger is an emotion. It's not, you know, we now, we have a negative connotation about it, but it's just an emotion like anything, uh, any other emotion. So if you're pushing one part away, what's that anger doing then? Where is it coming up? Where is it showing itself? Like it's, it's there. It doesn't go away. It's somewhere rotting in your body somewhere. No, (laughs) I know it does. (laughs) It actually comes out and then I'll be like short with people Mm. at work or, you know, friends or my sister or my brother, like things like that. Or honestly, or just to myself. Yeah. Sometimes it comes out in me, you know, the negative self-talk or you didn't do this well, or you don't look good. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, when, when I start to get, uh, I guess I would kind of consider it angry with myself or I get really short with myself. I get impatient. I get like flustered and I'm like, I just get like irritated, but there's no one around that is influencing my irritation. Like I'm getting irritated with what I'm doing and I'm the one choosing to do it. That to me, what I'm realizing now is kind of a signal to be like, we need to like to pause. Like you're rushing. You have this sense of urgency. You have this, like, you want to like get, this is an activated nervous system that we're dealing with right now. Like we we need to pause. And and where I've seen that coming from is this, what we were talking about in the pre-show, my like tendency towards the perfectionism, right? Like that would be like, okay, I have to get things done now. I have to get things done in a very like tight time frame that I'm setting myself up for. Oh, I'm irritated. I'm not doing it. And you're just like, this is all just coming back to me having this and and I you and I'm still now kind of wrestling with this attachment to like I have an idea of how I want things to be, right? I have a vision of how I want things to be. Oh yes, 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 yes. Do you want to know my favorite Please. quote? Premeditated expectations become resentments. Oh, yes. Like gnarled tree roots so, growing inside and festering is when I first cut out alcohol, I found that if I had a plant, by the way, I'm still struggling with this. If my friends listen to this, they're going to be like, well, you're still, yeah. but I found that if I had this plan, even for a weekend, like what we were going to do on a weekend and it shifted D- end of the world, I'd be like, end what? of the world. What, what's I'm going so on? Pissed. This is not part of my I'm plan. So I'm pissed. pissed. This might be your plan. That's not my no, plan. And, and how dare you not communicate to me in an appropriate time <laughs> that my plan that was, ch- it's going to impact me. This is like the number one conflict I'm experiencing with my partner right now because he is not at all a planner. And so I'm like, well, we have, the, I have the day. And I, in my mind, I have an agenda. I have the itinerary. I, have I the know day. everything. And I'll share, you know, I'll share things with him here and whatever as it comes up. I, I don't go through the day by day thing because that would be psychopath and if so so then if something changes i'm now holding him to the version of my day that's inside my head that's now messed up right i'm like how dare you so can you tell me if you think this is weird or not so i was dating this guy a little bit and he said hey do you want to go to dinner friday i said yeah sounds great he comes he picks me up and as we're driving to dinner he says oh by the way my two friends are coming too husband and wife. And I was like, uh, what? Like, so in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? Why didn't he tell me this was going to happen? I didn't know that we were going to be doing this tonight. Right. And then I was like, okay, this is an example of where you need to be flexible. Because it doesn't actually matter. Does it actually change anything? No, you weren't preparing a work speed. You weren't, you know, you weren't putting on clothes that only he could see. You know what I mean? Like it was like, it really changes 
nothing and it has no impact nothing but do you know how it it 100 yes it Would totally threw me. To me now i did have the conversation with him later which was hey i would like to consent to whether or not i want to go to dinner with friends of yours so please next time let me know about this yeah and he was like okay fine yeah. like it was a bigger deal for me than it was for him. oh yeah but you know when you get that feeling and you're like I don't, this isn't what I planned. No, I know. And and I would be really interested to hear other people too, if they, I, I, particularly women, I think there's, that there's coming back to where you said, if you had this feeling of being alone in your failure and you knew that other people were experiencing this, when I think through things like this, I know immediately I'm not special, right? Like I'm not the only one. So there's, there's totally gotta be you. something going on here with this, like, an attachment to a plan, right? That like, oh, we have to have a plan. What's the plan? What's going on? So there's mm -hmm. a sense of control. And what I was explaining to my partner, I was like, it might be easy for you to think about like the plan for me is my safety. Like this is what I've created. It's, yeah, it's what I've created. The brain needs certainty. Yes. Yeah. And because so many things, you know, we're scanning for threat. Yeah. I think they say like, six times every three seconds which mine's probably 12 um, now <laughs> like <laughs> i think since covid everybody's just yeah double. no seriously our nervous systems are shot like we're just like in this flight or but flight I do and so i do think that it's uh you know sometimes you just want some certainty and yet nothing no. there's a surrender is... right i need to learn how to surrender teach me how massive no, I don't. I, dude, I just say the serenity prayer and pray that I get some surrender. I know. Like, ser no, I'm serious, actually. That is a, that is, you are, you know, you speak a 12-step language, even though you're not in 12 steps, which I think is super cool that you, you probably don't even know that you're speaking that language. But surrendering is a big part of recovery because, at least for me, I was trying to moderate my drinking every time I drink, but when I finally accepted that I couldn't control my drinking mm -hmm. was when I was able to get mm -hmm. help. And so this, this surrender and this acceptance yeah. is a big part of people getting sober. Yeah. Like I, 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 I can't do it anymore. I don't want to be on the, the mouse wheel, the hamster wheel anymore, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I wonder but I think is. you're, you're so right on the surrender. For everybody, not just people who are in 12 No, no. And I've always, um, you know, I mentioned my grandfather's an alcoholic. I've been in relationships with um, people who work a 12-step program, um, who are sober. And so I've, I've heard, you know, like heard the language. And it really does sound to me like, we all have to some degree, right, some sort of external thing that we use to kind of help ease the pain internally so that we don't mm -hmm. have to look at it. Right? You mentioned like where I have been drinking so I don't yeah. have to feel my feelings. And I said, you know, alcohol is one of the tools I use for sure, not but but I have a lot of them, so like I can pick and choose. So it's like I can spread out the kind of mayhem. So it's not like there's yeah. one thing, right? Where you're like, well, you're an alcoholic. I'm like, well, I probably like could have some tendons, but you know, whatever it is. And but what yeah. it just sounds like is like for for anyone that it's just these programs are kind of like put in place to just help you kind of like get in touch with your pain that you don't want to get in touch with. And that's how we move pain is to like feel it and like let it go through the body instead of like just being lodged there. Is that so a right assessment? I, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's like you're speaking my language. I went on a trip to Iceland in October and I had not been away from work or, you know, away from a computer or my email for like two and a half years since all this garbage went down with my ex-husband. And it was the first time I, I like, I slowed down. Mm, yeah. And Chrissy, yeah. I was so 
sad. Oh my God. And I'm saying to myself, you asshole, you are on this way nice trip in Iceland. You're ungrateful. And all you're doing is feeling sorry for yourself. Oh. And for some reason, I stumbled upon this Anderson Cooper podcast on grieving. And it, I, I, I mean, I bawled listening to these episodes. Oh, yeah. But it opened up my heart to the fact that, well, of course I'm sad. Of course. Okay? My 18-year-old, my 15-year-old marriage, 18-year-old, 18-year relationship with my ex-husband was gone. Yeah. Literally, like, within a month. Even it was, if it, it took gone, five years no for it to be gone. Like, whatever the time period was, it would be valid. And so, that's right. And I just felt the pain. And so feeling the pain then opened up for the joy. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't experience the joy because I was trying to keep the pain at bay. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I wasn't feeling anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, I would say like a year plus after my brother died, it was like so yeah. numb. Like, I mean, I was fine. Oh, God. I found the best distractions in that. I found my distractions of choice oh, for yes. sure like it was they came out of the woodwork it was any, it was anything and everything well i mean so here's the thing it could be distraction of alcohol food shopping exercise yeah I mean, sometimes that can get unhealthy 100 percent. Right? it's yeah. anything we do to disconnect and to numb mm -hmm. and to self-medicate yeah yeah but there is and by the way i'm so not great at this so i'm working on it yeah. And I, I, so I agree 100% with your piece around feel that pain. Yeah. It sucks. Feel that pain. And, you know, in most cultures, there is, you're, you are, it is culturally the norm to grieve for a long period of time, like people wearing black and yeah. like, but in the United States, it's like, oh, somebody dies and we grieve them until the funeral and then maybe a month or two after. And then maybe the first year you reach out to your friend when their mother, whoever died at Christmas mm -hmm. and then at Easter, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But you're grieving for years. I mean, years. yeah, I, I like to think of grief as like all the love that we can no longer give that, that person or that relationship or that period of time or that job, like anything like grief is actually yeah. love. And so like, of course, it makes sense that it's going to be there as long as, like, love is there. And yes. it's it's tough. It's, Amen, it's, sister. I feel like you could write about oh, this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I Year f coming up on, so next July will be five years. And I'm just feeling a little bit like I'm, like, able to surface. And no one, and if you mm. saw my life at any time or anyone listening was like, Hey, we've been seeing you. You would never, obviously you would never know. No, you would. But it's a lot of you it's wouldn't. happened to just, a lot of it's happened the after thing. the divorce, actually. The divorce was like a second triggering thing that like really kind of brought up a lot of stuff to the surface. Cause it felt, it feels very similar to a death. It is a death. It is like, there's really, there's no other way to look at it in my eyes, but I, I actually felt like divorce was harder than losing my parents. I did. I, like, again, I don't want to do, like, a ranking system I don't of, want like, terrible stuff. But, like, it's a different. I know. I don't, actually, different I don't either, kind of but it was hurt. harder for it, me. It was harder for yeah, me. I, I, yeah, I can relate to that, too. It's just, like, a, a totally, it's just totally, totally different, but, but really hard. But what, yeah. what made me think of yeah. something when you were talking about like at your your Iceland trip and you started to feel sad and you're like oh you're ungrateful like look how where you are that's so beautiful why are you sad and like I would mm -hmm. used to have those conversations a lot with myself on just like you know stop being like lazy or like you got to keep going or like just just not speaking nicely to myself in in moments where emotions were coming yes. up whether that's like sad happy like mostly like sad or whatever and what I've been really working through that has helped me so much is like I think about 
where did I learn to speak to myself like that? Right? Like when I was sad or, you know, when I was not feeling great, like, was I told, you know, who told me that that, that I shouldn't have that feeling or who tried to move me out of that feeling quickly? Did you feel that or did you figure that out? Yeah, I did. And so now when I start to go down that path of um, like talking like that to myself in moments when what I really need is to be comforted, I like will just like stop. I will just be like, send Mm -hmm. compassion, send yourself love. Like I picture a little version of me. I have a picture of a little version of me on my bedroom mirror. And I will just like, I just send myself love instead of the op- not love and it has helped so much like with just like self-compassion and it's stuff that I'd heard of a long time your inner child work inner child love your inner child and I can't explain mm-hmm. like I had people on the podcast talk about it I'd be like yeah down with the concept makes sense totally but I until I like actually Didn't put, put it, it into, into practice. practice yeah and I thought that I wa- I thought that like just yeah. knowing and being aware was the same thing <laughs> like oh I get it like I understand it conceptually but until you like actually put it into do you practice. know what my therapist had me do last week she had me um bring my dad into the conversation like I said my parents are deceased she was like I want you to think about and visualize what would your dad say to you in this instance mm. and um it was about a work situation. And I was like, well, he wasn't alive for when I entered really the work workforce. Mm-hmm. But what I do know that if he were here, he would let me talk. He would create a space mm-hmm. for me to, to express how I was feeling without judgment, mm-hmm. without trying to fix it. Just listen. Yeah. It's so she had me do that and Chrissy, it was like, I mean, I, I mean, I felt like I felt tired afterwards, but I also felt like I had just been given a really good, yeah. hug, you know, it's this idea of like reparent parenting ourselves. Yes. Yes. And yes. And I have a picture of cute little mm-hmm. Sarah in a journal. Yep. Yep. And I actually colored around this picture and, um, I love yeah. her. She's so cute and she's so sweet and she has eyes wide open. She's excited about the world. Yep. She's so lovable. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been doing, I'll like treat my inner child now. Like I'll like see something and I'm like, oh, stop it. would have loved oh God, that, that as a little girl. Like I'm getting that sparkly thing or like just. Okay. I just, love And that. I'm doing it now more too with not just like three-year-old Chrissy. I, I will, I'm now pulling up like 16-year-old. I'm pulling up like just when jo- when my brother died and I was acting out in ways that I'm not proud of or that I feel shame around. I will like love 30-year-old Chrissy. And like, and I'm like, so this is real. Like if this is how my brain gets to like pro like make sense of self-love and that's what how I have to do it but it's like actually like picturing external like versions of me that is so beautiful <laughs> I'm so happy that you just taught me that <laughs> Try I'm it serious out. I don't know. see if it works for you because oh no people, I know it's it's ha- people find it difficult which makes no sense to me why do we find it so difficult to love ourselves when like love is the the best most amazing thing and the reason why we're here why is it so hard to love ourselves but it is difficult so if you can like conceptualize maybe of like yeah see and, yourself accept, through like what you were going through at that like moment that's that's where it's easy that's why i think the inner child is easy well i don't know if that's true for everybody but for me the the inner child is is easier to love and accept but the older Sarah is a little bit more challenging for me. So I think I need to find that goes back to the fear self-compassion yeah. book, which talks about talking to that inner child yeah. and, and you, using anger as a way to speak up and protect. And, yeah. You, know, you almost need an, a lot, enough a distance voice. to look back and be like, wow, I see how much I was hurting. And I see like how 
I see that pain. Of course I see it. But like in the moment I didn't. Right. So like I really wasn't. And you could do that with your brother. Yeah. I wonder if I could, can you do that around your divorce time too? I don't think, I think I'm too close to my divorce right now to do it for that. Yeah. I can with my mom dying, which was when I was, so like nine years ago. Yeah. I think a lot of my, it's funny because even though they were three years apart, my brother dying and then my divorce, as I'm kind of processing the divorce, it feels tightly tied to my brother dying. And the the traumatic response that like came after that and then consequent, you know, dominoes effect of like the ending of my relationship. So it is kind of like to me almost kind of together. So I don't know. I don't know yet. I'm still working through it. I'll get back to you. Um, Yeah, I really want to talk about this, these couple concepts, though, that I'm interested to hear. So I listened to your very first episode. And it's a gentleman who was saying his three biggest gifts in life were his three marriages, his alcoholism, and diabetes. And diabetes. Yeah. And the episode is, you know, it's just is a great unfolding of how he experienced those significant life events, let's call them. He almost didn't come to that episode. He was so really nervous. wow. He called his assistant and said, I'm leaving, I'm not going in. She said, You're going. Wow get your fanny in yeah there. yeah mm-hmm. so you know he had these life events and he he saw them as gifts yeah other people may have those three similar experiences and not talk about them as as gifts and that quite literally you know in his example saved his life and yeah so after talking to so many people about their failures and how they approach failing what do you think sets the people apart who look at those experiences as gifts Mm. And others who would look at them and think, this is defeat. This is yeah. a, an obstacle I can't overcome. So I am not a scientist, okay? <laughs> but I've seen themes, okay, in almost all of my yeah. guests. And um, I created a, a resiliency or an expansive thinking model mm. around what I learned from them. Yeah, it's called the heroic model. Wow. And so to be an expansive thinker or resilient you can demonstrate these five things. So I will tell you that almost all of my guests believe in something higher than themselves. Mm. That could be faith. It could be community. It could be purpose. But there, nobody can be on an island by themselves. And so really expansive or resilient people rely on something higher than themselves. Mm. Um, the second thing is they... Um, they so I interchange these they create relationships of equal so the E is equal okay equal Mm -hmm. and what that means is kind of like the self-talk that we were talking about before they never stack rank themselves against others they have compassion Brene Brown talks about this a lot instead of creating competition create compassion Mm -hmm. So they've got relationships of equal, you know, there is their self-worth is as important as your self-worth. Yeah. Right. The next one is, um, reframe thoughts. So they're really quick to take a thought or a limiting belief and reframe it. They're pretty agile around that, you know, the O, which is frankly, one of my faves right now is and they didn't use this language. This is my language, but saying to yourself, I'm okay. So when I'm in a state of despair or not expansive thinking or resiliency, if I can remind myself, I'm okay, I can snap myself out of it. A lot of them are really intuitive. That's the I, and we don't teach children intuition. We brush it off. We teach academics, but are you really listening to yourself and your inner voice? So that's intuition. And then the last one is they're just all curious. Like they, they don't, honestly, most of them don't care if they look stupid. Yeah. They just keep trying. Right. They're curious. Yeah. Interesting. So those were the things that I saw that really, but I will tell you the, the biggest probably one is that they rely on something higher than themselves. Interesting. You know, they just, it's, and it could be, again, 
it doesn't have to be faith or religion, although a lot of them do have some sort of spiritual, but it's, it's a higher purpose or it's their community. Or yeah. It's faith. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, so when I felt, when you, I love using the phrase. It's surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I love using the phrase in the depths Sorry, of my despair. I feel like that's just, that just like perfectly captures sometimes like you are at mm-hmm. the bottom. You're at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And when I go to that place um, and when right after my brother died, there was the one moment that I have ever experienced where I was like, I can understand why people would want to kill themselves. I did not want to do like I didn't have the a serious thought, yeah. but I was like, I kind of get it because it's so painful. You want it to stop. Like you just don't it's just mm-hmm. so, so much pain. And like the only way that you may think that you can relieve it is to end your life. I can I can I could understand that. And I could not before previously until losing my brother. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in like those depths, whether it be from grief or the divorce or, you know, any situation I do have this feeling of like I'm going to be okay though like I know it I know I'm going to be okay no matter what Mm -hmm. and I really lean it on my relationships like my family my friendships that I've built over the year I will even start to like tick on a list of like I've got this person I've got this person I've got this person I've got this I've got love I have people that I know I can call like the that I just know have my back. And that keeps me from like slipping away. Like these people are like my anchor. Mm. Slipping away. That's a really, I think that's as powerful as depths of despair, because I think slipping away and, and and I really worry about this during COVID is that the amount of isolation that people do and through using People, I just read an article, people don't talk on the phone anymore. Mm. Um, they're using text. And that's not the no. same brain connection yeah. that talking on the phone with somebody is. And so slipping away, people are slipping away because they're not connecting. Yeah, I totally can see that. Totally can see that. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I was really into the, the yeah. resiliency and, and the grit. Those are always conversations I love to talk about and I love to hear from people it's inspiring because it really does show like hey this person can do it and if they can do it why can't I do it that's right so I call those people my expanders Mm -hmm. um you know they're I want to be able to do a million kajillion things but I I might not be able to do those but if I can see somebody who's done it I'm more likely to believe that I can and I don't know if you've read the book, The Source, no. but it's about the neuroscience behind manifestation. Oh. And it's amazing. It's like the red car syndrome. Yes. You know, you buy a red car and then you start yes. seeing a red car everywhere, yes. right? And that's the same with manifestation. You set a goal or an achieve or yep. whatever it might be for you. You work towards yep. it. Like you can't just wish right. it. But she talks about having expanders who can help you see it, which means the brain believes oh, it. Wow interesting the source that's what it's called okay i'm uh-huh. going to look at that the source dr tara swart she was an md she works at mit so she's bridge she's bridging kind of like the spiritual yep. side you know with science. love that love that mm-hmm. um okay sarah i want to shift gears a little bit and get us into more of a, a little what yep. the fit mode and hear about your yeah. your self-care rituals your root how do you take care of yourself what are your favorite ways to take care of yourself so that you ensure you're showing up as your best self what do you have to do so a friend of mine just sent me an article a couple months ago about um self-care isn't necessarily a self-charge and so i find that i need more self-charges because here's the news I can do so much self-care for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I got a massage Ooh, over the yeah. weekend and, you know, like I will do all these things. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I'm actually recharging my battery. Yeah. And so the things that I've started to do, even though I'm a heavy extrovert, you know, two Saturdays ago, I stayed at home by myself and read mm. a book. Um, when I'm tired after a long day of work, and I've been with people, which I tend to like love mm-hmm. and get a lot yeah. of. 
I have quiet, I have more quiet time than I ever did before. And not drinking, I have to find other ways in a healthy way to recharge. Yeah. So it could be honestly calling a friend or doing something like this with you are ways that I can, that I can recharge. I, of course I do meditation and then this is going to sound so funny, but so I grew up Catholic. Uh I do not practice Catholicism. Okay. I don't agree. It's fine if you do. My sister and brother still practice, blah, blah, blah. Just not my thing anymore. But I say the rosary like once a week or every other week with two friends. I know. You know why? Because it's fucking meditative. It is. It is. Meditation. It's the same prayers over and over and over. And I have an intention. Yes. Wow. And and that actually is one of the things that helped me get through the divorce. Wow. Yeah. That's so funny. I don't even know why. I've been told many people that, but yeah, because I know they're going to be like, what? what do you No, that is so weird. Do you have an actual rosary that you hold and you go by the beads? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. I'm going to do it tonight. Yeah. Monday night. How long does it take you to do the whole rosary? Yeah. Um... Oh, wow. Really? So when I grew up Catholic too, I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, whatever. And I can remember like in my little kid brain thinking about like, oh my God, I can't imagine saying a whole rosary. Like that would take so long. (laughs) I know. We could say one decade. Yes. I would do. Yeah. The decade. Yeah. 10 Hail Marys, one Our Father. Yes. Right. Sure. You do the whole thing. Yeah. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I was yeah. going to ask how you meditate. I'm, I am, don't mean to brag, but now a meditator. I have, I love, you know what? Go ahead, I'm brag. going to brag great. about it because it has been in the past very difficult for me to hold a consistent meditation practice. I would be able to do a quick challenge yeah. or, you know, a, a headspace thing, whatever. And yeah. through, work I put on a wellness competition for my global team and as part of the wellness competition we were tracking because you're so bad (laughs) we were tracking Mm -hmm. meditations through insight timer and so because we made it a competition and I do you familiar with the Enneagram I'm a competitive person yes what are you I love it I'm a seven yeah 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 um so I love just yeah you oh you loved a good competition love a good competition so Uh because of that I have just leaned so far into the meditation these last it'll be the the competition's 45 days it ends on Friday so it's been about like 40 days now and I do do it twice a day I crave it. I wake up and I'm like, I can't wait to meditate. I can't wait to do it before bed. It feels like just like a massage over my whole being. I don't know what, I don't know if it's just like my own personal journey I'm on now. I'm getting more in touch with feelings, whatever. But now I'm like, I can't believe I went like without meditating. Yeah, but you know what? But so you weren't ready. Yeah, I wasn't for it, ready right? for it. And I'm, 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 I'm like behind. I'm a little bit behind you. Oh, that's okay. I you know think. What I think I want people to hear though? though. If you are like, I can't do it. I've tried. I've, I've tried for years. I tried for Ever. so long. Keep trying. <laughs> so I have the Calm app, and I have I use the Calm one and the Shoper one. So I do use both. But you know what I think is the best, the best recharging tool is or self-care is a nap oh yeah it's as simple as that just take oh, a nap oh my gosh put a 20 i do a 20 There's minute a timer book. a 20 minute power a little nap i'll do it in the middle of the day if i i haven't i our pre-show i haven't even needed a nap during the day because i haven't been drinking and without drinking my energy levels are like through the roof soaring totally. i don't so yeah high. so high because you're not poisoning your yes, body because i'm not poisoning my body not to be totally dramatic around that but i will be Um, Chrissy. Yeah. There's evidently a new book out called take a nap. I love it. I haven't read it, but I heard it's amazing. Uh, There's been a lot of conversation I've heard recently around, um, resistance in the form of like recovery and napping, like how you're like standing up to the patriarchy by just like sitting the fuck down and taking a nap. I think it's called like recover or something. This woman wrote a book and she's on the, do you listen to Glenn? Um, we can do hard things. She was recently uh-huh, uh-huh. on Glennon's podcast, okay. and it's just this whole manifesto practice of taking a nap. 
<laughs> like as like the new way to like rule it's the world. So great. My three. It's this is amazing. like very challenging to my three type, but I'm I work with an Enneagram coach, so we are constantly trying to challenge the type. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Getting into your shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your subtype? Um, I don't think I did a subtype. We just did. She gave me this whole oh, you report. Need... What's the subtype? You need to get your subtype. Wait, is it? Oh, is it the oh one? So everybody I'm a has one a to subtype. one. It's one yeah. to one. Sorry, okay. they, I think she called it something different. But yes, one to one. She could have called it sexual. Um, but I've it's, heard of it. It's a yeah, new yeah. term. One to one is the there's new, like the, the new one term to for sexual, but... many. Right. What are the subtypes? They're self pres. Yeah, they're self pres. So I'm a self pres oh. seven. There's uh one to one yeah. and a social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one to one. One to one three. Okay, wait. Um did I answer that question? Yeah, you for did. You, you yeah, have so I many did. things. Um so then the final question, the final big question we have is kind of the essence of my yeah. podcast. What does being fit mean to you? I'd say being fit means to me um, I have to be fit spiritually, which for me just means connected to me, to myself and connected to a higher and your power. Rosaries, right. I have to, and my freaking <laughs> my fucking rosaries. I mean, you know, it is divine femininity with the whole. No, I, I like love that. Okay, I, so I think you should rebrand the rosary in like a whole new way. Like have it come back. <laughs> the Pope would love mm -hmm. that. The hierarchy of Catholicism would love that. Uh, no, but but I respect I respect Catholicism and everything like that. Again, I have family members who are super active, and I have friends who are priests. Yeah. So yeah. I love. Oh, and my aunt is a nun, so I love. You I mean, yeah, I love, we um, just take what we need from a lot of different practices. Yes. So I would say spiritually, and then uh, emotionally is really important for me, and I do that through the work with. A therapist and with my coach yeah. um and then physically honestly I, I didn't get into the physical side which is funny because that's a lot of what your podcast is yeah. you know and I it's not until about a year ago that I was like I I'm sort of like at the second half of my life and I need to take care of my body and I have seen a total shift in my goals around mm. weight, but it's, I don't have weight goals yeah. anymore. I have health right. goals now. That wasn't true in my 20s yeah. and 30s. Yeah, yeah, me. yeah. It was mostly how skinny can I be? Of course. And blah, blah, right, blah. right. And now it's, I need to make the last 40 or 50 years of my life stick. Yeah. Longevity, sustainability. Longevity. Yeah. No, I hear that. It is, I have um kind of a hip issue that I will be dealing with until I get a hip replacement. And it has, and I've just mm. kind of like found these things out within the last year. And it's really like reframed how I look at fitness now. And I, I mean, I love really? physical fitness. It's been like a huge part of my life forever. And I love working out really yeah. hard and I like pushing and I would like to do competition, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now yeah. I'm really like, just how do we preserve how do we just like keep this body moving i just want to be moving yes. and it might not look like a hundred burpees on a saturday morning i just want to be moving oh my god can't even yeah. that makes me want to throw up i yeah it's uh, you know i i remember when i would be in the workplace and i would see i was in my 20s and there would be people in their 40s and 50s focusing on that and i didn't get it and now yeah. I get it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is what this, I love the longevity thing that you yeah. said. Health and longevity. Yep, yeah. Yep. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has yeah. been such a treat. I'm so appreciative of you spending your Monday evening with me. Really appreciate it. Where yeah. can people follow the podcast? Where can they listen? Where do they find everything that you're doing? Yes, they can listen on really any podcast platform. Spotify, Apple, mm -hmm. whatever. Yep. And it's uh, fail forward pod with Instagram, yep. you know, all the social stuff. Yep. But if they type in failing forward, they'll find, they'll find it. it. Yeah. On yeah. there. 
Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank you yeah. for having me. I literally could have chatted for another. We went a long I know. time. I could have chatted for a I know. I agree. Time. I had questions that I didn't even get to. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. 